If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now, back to box number 512 with Aeon and the Lioness. Hey, I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to box number 512 podcast. Grown black trans woman talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another installment of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. I am Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. So let's get to those life updates. I will start first. First, I want to give my mom, Marsha, a very special happy birthday shout out. Happy birthday, mama. Team Virgo, today is her birthday. Uh, I know she is um, chilling and relaxing as she should be. But I'm happy to uh, bring in another birthday with you. I will be home in Baltimore this weekend so we can um, do something and um, have a good time. Life updates with me. Um, A lot is going on. So I have several projects that um, I'm working on. I just finished um, a writing project um, that's in the process of being edited applying for some funding for some stuff down the pipeline. I also begin work tomorrow. My first um, post-law school job, my first attorney job. So um, I'm excited and nervous. I don't know what to expect, but my extended vacation has come to an end and it's time for me to get back to work. It's time for me to save the world. And more importantly, it's time for me to um, have some income coming in. So I, can, I know that's right. Pay some of these credit card bills down, girl, because the, um, <laughs> the struggle is real. Mm-hmm. But yeah it's, just, yeah, it's just a lot going on. I'm just um, busier. I'm busier than ever. Uh, I also am trying to get admitted into New York's um, state bar. So I have an exam that I have to take for that next Thursday. So it's just it's just a lot going on, but I'm just trying to take th- everything one day at a time. Uh, what's, going, what's going on with you? Well, before you do that, when you pass the bar, when you pass the bar, girl, we're going to have to do a little special celebratory shout out for you on the episode. Also, I want to, before I get into my thing, say a big shout out again to um, Brianna's mom. Shout out to you, ma'am. Thank you for bringing Aeon into the world. And and I appreciate you raising her and helping her be the woman that she is today to be on this podcast. So if you do listen, mama, to this shout out, we love you here at Box Number 512 Podcast and we thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, but I want to say my week was very, very, very good. So, um, so starting out, um, episode two of the Lioness Still Lives podcast, um, was aired and, um, I was able to have on 
the illustrious Imani Van Zapp. So for our listeners that are co-listeners of books, your shit. Text your shit, yes. And she gave an interview about her backstory and her life, and it's hilarious, and all of its kookiness, and the way that it's told, and the way that, you know, some of the stories go. And so you guys feel free to tune in and check that out. Um, it, he's also, um, uh, so the character, the, um, the, the, the mind behind Imani Van Zapp is my chosen son, Eric Dillard, and he's, he produces or manages his persona, um, Imani. And so I'm supporting him and he's supporting me and it's all about love and family and support. And I wanted to just give him a shout out as well. Um, and so that's coming up. So then this coming week, we'll be airing our live episode of, him and me having a conversation so you guys tune in for that um also i had the privilege this week i want to give a special to attend an event that was very powerful i want to give a special shout out to Dwayne crowder and a vision for hope trans housing program here based in atlanta georgia they are a housing program that is doing a lot of great things in community there's actually a now a trans house here in atlanta that it's essentially kind of a dorm for the girls that actually provides um, professional Dwight from the Housewives. Do you remember Dwight? Mm-hmm. He actually runs the salon at the facility, um, A Vision for Hope, or his staff. He actually, um, um, he actually um, does, he actually um, stocked the salon and um, um, did all of the equipment that's in there. And then he also has staff that come and serve, comes and services the girls. And um, so at this event that we had hosted, um, that, that was hosted um, this previous um, week, it was so many girls that came out in the Atlanta community. Shout out to Dee Dee Shambly, shout out to Lynn, um, Lynn Diana Prince, shout out to all of the girls, shout out to Courtney, um, to, I forget your last name, coordinator. Come, Trina Monroe Dupree on Facebook. Shout out to all of the girls, Justine Ingram, all of the girls, um, Natalia Dupree, um, Jada Gramillion, all of the girls that showed up. It was very powerful to be in the room with such great people. The energy was great. The vibe was great. We did socially distance. They did a great job of providing facilities for us to protect ourselves, but we were able to take a beautiful photo shoot, which I'm sure you guys, for those of you who follow us on our social media platforms that you saw, it was a wonderful time, sis. And to be honest, I, I, I cannot wait until the world opens up so we can get that conference energy, girl, because that's what it gave. It gave conference energy. So you know that like everybody came, we're like excited to be there. Everybody came wanting to connect and reconnect and talk about stuff and it wasn't really, no, I didn't experience any type of shame, any type of tea at all. And that was just powerful. And um, there were so many photographs that were posted that I hope come out that aren't in the main photos out right now. I think the photographer has to take time to go through them. But there were, I mean, girl, just, it, it was an epic event. Um, shout out to my sister Toya, who also came, but missed the big photo shoot. I want to give her a shout out. She was there as well. And we took some wonderful sister photos. So it was just wonderful. And I'm just very grateful for that opportunity. So my week was wonderful, girl. That, no, that was really good. Um, it kind of, when I saw the picture, it kind of made me miss um, also the conference setting. Yeah. And being able to be around like other trans people because it feels like 
that was a lifetime ago. And, you know, I really draw energy from being around other trans people. So I'm really happy that you got to experience that and that it was a positive event. Now, it was a lot going on that weekend. They had a brunch and then they had another event and another thing. But, you know, girl. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was like, it was a whole four-day process, I believe. But I will say that just the event I did was great. But, you know, COVID is still real. And yes. while we were trying our best to social distance, you know how it goes. And so I just, you know, I was doing my best to kind of, you know, do, you know, because really social distancing is what you make it. <laughs> so I wanted to support. I wanted to be in it. But, girl, you know, I had to get back to my house immediately, girl, because no man. Right. Yeah. So, oh, so I... Yeah. So I guess before we get to, um, we have a couple of topics for today, but before we get to that, I just want to remind you guys, please, please, please make sure you guys are rating us on Apple Podcasts and writing reviews. Um, just, just make sure that you're doing that. Also make sure that you're um, telling people about our podcast. I feel like we're going, we have like a core audience of listeners and we're definitely trying to grow and expand our um, our platform because nobody does what we do and i i feel like um you know our podcast um is a really really good podcast so just encourage you guys to um, make sure that you are rating and reviewing us because they really do matter and i really do enjoy reading um, a lot of the reviews that um, you guys leave on Apple Podcasts. So I just want to make sure you guys do that. And I also, before we go into our topics, want to say coming soon, there will be a conversation. And, you know, I have the privilege of knowing her as a person. And I have the privilege of really being allowed as a part of her tribe and a member of her circle of influence. But the, um, the Aeon, the Lustrous Aeon, will also be a, a, an upcoming guest on the lion that still lives podcast um you know she's got a lot going on now so it's hard to get her down scheduling wise but y'all please stay tuned for that interview because i think aeon has a wonderful story that i think is deserving to be held she's a girl that has like all of us lived a life but she's also taken the things in her life and when life gave her lemon, she made lemonade bitch and the lemonade just gets sweeter and sweeter and so you know as you go to take this bar sis I'm just so excited and proud of you, and I would I just can't wait to have you on as a guest on my show as well. Thank you. I can't I can't wait so I can um, tell my story. Yeah, yeah, because I don't, I really feel like I haven't been able to like really tell my story. So I'm just I'm just honored that I'll be able to do it with you first. Aw, well, sis, I'm excited, and so hopefully we can get that scheduling done soon. But you know, I know you busy, girl, and I know you got that. So I'm not even gonna even bother you till after this bar shit, but girl. You know, I want you, girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so I'm gonna let you introduce this first topic because you were really passionate about this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to you. Well, thank you, sis. So uh, this was so shout out to Michaela Soul Soul. Um, she has her one own one of our practice. supporters. One of our supporters. One of our big supporters, and also someone that I know themselves has a platform. Um, so if you want to follow her and find her, it's Michaela Soul on Facebook. She also has a show that she does. I can't remember the name of the show now, Michaela. You're gonna have to forgive me, but um, I know that I know that she has her own show that is a Facebook Live show that she does. And so you guys tune in for that. 
Well, Michaela today, she had a conversation that she sparked and it started out um, about, well, I'm actually on the thread. And so let's just, let me, her question, well, to the, her query to community was, why didn't the trans community support Malik Yoba again? I need to understand. And she had a lot of opinions about, you know, about what our role is in community in supporting the men that support us. And um, it was a very rousing conversation. So for those of you who are her friend, go to her page, like the post, and feel free to comment. She's one of those people that encourages conversation, even if you don't agree with her. And I love that about her. And so, and I feel like that's why I have the, the, the permission here because we've, I know that about her to just give my opinion and to use her as an example or this post. So it's been a year since, or at least a little around a year since Malik Yoba's coming out. And um, one, uh, uh, for me in answering her question, I'm all about supporting people that are in support of community. And in that thread, of course, you know, it's still very divided. There are still some girls that because of allegations that were lobbied against him, will, are always going to never want to see his face. And that's cool. And then there's another school of girls that I believe their issue with him, and I think I'm a part of this school, is that there has not been done enough either beforehand or now even after his coming out to reach out to community, to connect with leadership and community, and to do the work of learning what we, learning about us and how to love us and what support we actually need rather than you ham-fistedly offering your mansplainish way of you talking about your own experience without including the real life lived experience of those you claim to love. And for me, the reason why I don't think that it's our responsibility to go out of our way to support him at this juncture is because while I do know just from people that know him that there are some things that he's trying to do behind the scenes, there is yet to be this kind of support that I would expect from a man that says, I love these people. And I'm, when I say support, I mean Facebook posts talking about the changes in, you know, the way that we've been labeled as far as, you know, the hum health and human services and the way the HUD policies have changed the way, because part of it is, if you're going to be the celebrity that wants to be the light, it's actually using your light to reflect the issues that other people are trying to ignore. So him coming out and saying, you like us, is just not enough for me. I need to see an action plan that includes you connecting with us and talking about why you love us because beyond the- And connecting with actual Black trans women. Black I'm gonna, trans I'm just gonna women. say that. Yes, um, no, sorry. no, no, and that, that's real. Because when I say us, I'm talking about the issue of the underprivileged parts of the community, the parts of the community that you really are speaking for when you say you're speaking for us and that's the Black part of us. The dark-skinned Black trans women. The women that don't have the ability and the proximity to whiteness and or European standards of beauty to be acceptable, to be pretty on TV. You know, shout out to the Carmen Carreras and those girls of the world. And this is not a direct jab at her, but it is telling to me that beyond his relationship with her and beyond some of the relationships that he's had already previously before he came out, he has not done the work, in my opinion, 
beyond connecting now he i do know and i want to speak truth i do know that he's connecting behind the scenes to the larger trans amorous men movement by participating in their conversations and what they're discussing but i don't but i also know that i don't but that a lot of those men in that movement um particularly the leader of one of the leaders of that group and movement troy kennedy they are doing the work in community and i feel like even though you know you may disagree, some people may have even disagree with me interviewing him. I know that they're you know all the, all of these men come with their baggage. But what I'm about is about people's evolution. And for me, Malik yet has done the work for me to visually see that an evolution has taken place for them to garner all of the support. And I feel like this speaks to the larger thing with Black women, where we're required to uphold people that aren't upholding us because that's what a good woman's supposed to do. And it's like, until I see Malik Yoba, this black man who legions of black women, including black trans women, held up on a pedestal, use that pedestal to uplift black, black trans women, the women he says he loves, then I will feel like I am going to go out of my way to support him. And my platform as a, the lioness, my lioness still lives podcast, that's what that platform is really for for me, is to have conversations with people that may have problematic um, issues with them that may, but to give them an opportunity and the community an opportunity to engage in difficult conversation and get to the other side. And so I would be welcoming to him if I saw that there was an effort, a minimal effort. But at this point, you're, it's almost like, it feels like because he's mad at a fraction of the community that weren't supportive of him, he's hesitant to want to support all of the community. And in that thread, there were a lot of different opinions being brought up about like, what do what should he be required to do and that he's lost money and resources. We didn't cause him to lose money. The community did not cause him to lose money. Like you were already on the decline. We And we don't have access to the funding to control your money and resources. You're just unfortunately uh, 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 an, uh, an unfortunate, you know, uh, casualty in a larger war against people trying to police trans lives and bodies and our existence and commodify it. And when they can't, they vilify it and demonize it and the people that love us. So he's not, he didn't go through some extra special thing that other men don't go through when they come out about things like this. What he did face that was different was being, I guess, accused of an allegation from a community member. And I'm not someone that gets into the allegation part of it because I don't know what did or didn't happen. I know that the person that I, the person, I don't think that the person that, this is just my opinion and this is not name and name, but the, I don't, I question the credibility of the individual that brought the allegation, which is why I'm willing to hear his side of the story, but you gotta be willing to give it, boo. And right now, radio silence, a year later, a year without you really, really talk, uh, one of the bloodiest years in trans history where we've already reached the death toll from murder that we had the whole previous year. And I, and I just don't feel like he's doing enough to communicate as a man that wants the light and wants attention because you didn't do it privately. You didn't tell your family first, according to what's being said. I don't know if you did or not, but I'm saying, you, you, you didn't do this privately. You did it very publicly. You did it with a freestyle. I want to hear your freestyle, Malik Yoba, about our lives, about our health disparity issues, about the discrimination that we're facing. You want the light, get the light. And if you want to talk to somebody, come and see me. But right now, I just, I, what I was trying to convey to Michaela in that thread was we got to support people 
that's willing to, because we, if we create space for them at the table, they need to bring something to eat. And in this case, Malik Yoba isn't even bringing paper plates to the table, bitch. And like, so then why are we going out of our way to make sure he eats? Girl, paper plates, girl, he just not coming, period, girl. Bitch, he paid the invitation to the Right, room. he threw it in the trash. I, so I had my, my run-in with Malik Yoba like a couple months ago. I can't, I can't remember, Raquel had posted some, Raquel Willis, um, um, big figure in the trans community. Shout out to Raquel. Put something came out of Atlanta, by the way. I got a rep Atlanta, girls. Go ahead. She put something on her page. I can't remember exactly what it was. If I had to take a guess, I think it had to do something with trans violence and how trans amorous men, like it had to do something with how trans amorous men aren't stepping up and how a lot of the perpetrators of violence against us um, tend to be black men. And he commented under the post, and to, like it was so self-serving. Like, well, when I tried to come and say something, y'all attacked me, and y'all are not right, and y'all and and after I remember that he was very speaking about us as if we're one person. Then right, and after me, um, Raquel and myself collected him so fiercely that he had to delete the um, comments because it's just like. Yes, like you, you've learned nothing throughout all of this. And the thing, the thing why I'm over it is because you coming out or whatever, that shouldn't have been like a one-time conversation. Like if you're really committed to the movement or you're really committed to change and liberation, it should be a constant conversation. It should be a constant evolution of the conversation. Like it shouldn't have just stopped and end, end at those two interviews. Because there's so much more to talk about, and um, a year a year later, and I don't feel like for him that he's in a better situation than he was when he first um, came out. And it's and like you said, it's about your intentional um, engagement and interaction with the community, and not just for it to serve your purpose or for right. you to to. Because the vibe that I get from him and his reasoning from doing it is it's really only to serve his own agenda. It's really not to, and to serve your agenda to possibly get access to a certain type of trans woman that you like. You're not really caring about the type of trans women that are being murdered, the dark skin, not exotic, regular looking black girls with the big, the broad noses and the big lips and the dark skin. You feel like constantly... there's a, oh, you feel like there's definitely a, an appearance aspect to his, Lack of concern because now I I don't know I don't know if we have the evidence to support that he no 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 I'm I'm not saying for sure but, but circumstantially it's just like why like why are we not coming out for those girls why is it or you know why 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 is it the exotic land no, I'm just asking a question but you know back to my point it's just like it's about you it's not it's not it's not about it's not about lifting up the girls that that have the most to lose. So, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm, but I'm kind of glad that this happened because in our community, as far as like the black trans woman, I feel like we had to start having a conversation amongst ourselves of not accepting the bare minimum. You know what, sis? And that was my. That's actually my exact feeling. Like you. So then. 
I want to push back on the narrative that all of these men have that they're doing us a grand favor by being no. honest about something that they've been lying about to everyone in their lives all this time when we have lost everything for our truth. You don't get to make me feel like you're doing me a favor because I'm living in truth and you chose to live in darkness for a period. And now that because you want to step into the light, I should rejoice and throw you a, a party when I'm out here living my truth and willing to lose it all. See, what's really unfortunate is that I think these men think that we should be grateful as if we haven't lost the same or greater. And, uh, and it's really fucked up because it really plays into this notion that we somehow, because it's a, a burden to want to love us in the way society treats them away, that somehow we should feel bad. And in return, we should go out of our way to accommodate a man just for being able to say he likes us. And to me, I just, I am past the point where I'm worried about who like me and who fucking don't? It's what are you doing to support my liberation? Right. And no what shame. are you doing to support my, my growth? What are you doing to invest in my community? What are you doing to change the circumstances for the next generation? That to me is the covering of a man that I want. You just and, liking me is not enough. And it's no shade. Like he's doing the best because I still follow him. You're going on live every other week having these conversations about like black issues. And that stuff is important. But but you have white people giving up their platforms, giving up their platforms to give it to black people, to give it to trans people, to take over their lives and have conversations because they know the power um, of their reach as a privileged person. You have not done that yet. And you're intimately connected to the community. When are you going to do that? And, gonna... it's a, and it's an insult to sis to, for, for, to, to, for him to propagate the notion that some girls didn't reach out to him because I happen to be one of the women that reached out to him in the middle of the storm, and I'm saying this now publicly because a year later I was expecting him to do more, but I was someone that reached out to him in the storm and, and let him know that when he is ready, that there are parts of the community that would be willing to have a conversation once he's able to get past this, this the process of the, you know, of the, the media hype of it all. And, I, and, 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 and what I encouraged was for him to go grassroots and actually look to see the look to look for mentors in community that could help guide him on this path. Not your favorite porn star or your favorite girl <laughs> or your favorite, you know what I'm saying? Your favorite date, like actual girls that are doing the work of trying to liberate and free community. That don't want nothing from you sexually. Don't want nothing from you that are willing to have the conversation. And see, this is where I do believe that there's a call to arms for him. So this isn't a read for you, Malik Yoba. This is a call to arms because you still have, you're still alive and you still have the opportunity to evolve as a person. And we're telling you with our words that we want you to say and do more. You are not someone that we want to see die. We don't want your de destruction as a community. Yes, you will have always have dissenting opinions. And I hope you didn't think, you didn't have the hubris to believe that you are exempt from what every public figure goes through with allegations and all of that when they do come out about something like this. So if you really, really are serious beyond the behind the scenes documentaries or whatever it is. Cause I know a lot with celebrities, you know, there's always something that they're for themselves. 
beyond what you are doing to promote yourself and your creative content, what are you doing to support and encourage and uplift the workers of the movement that help that that you stand on the backs of? Because the words, even the language that you use were community, we had to fight to be just even identified respectfully and treated in media. So you're now being, a, you're standing on the backs of work of the girls. And what we encourage you to do is to honor that work and service by consulting those people as you're moving about life so that you, your story, your arc of your story isn't the man that came out, had allegations and disappeared. We want to see you win, but we want to win too. And we want to invest in you, but only if you're willing to invest in us. Right. But but until you get it together, honey, no, we going to be on you, girl. Because like at this point, it's not a game. Like Come November 3rd, if Trump is still in office, guess the fuck what? It's still going to be intense for black trans women. So, like, you, you got you you got to get your shit together, especially if you want to get the respect that you think you're owed in community, which you don't get respect. You you're earn. not owed a damn thing. Right. I'm not owed a damn thing. Brianna's not owed a damn thing. We have earned our respect by the works that have made room for us. And no shade, it was multiple tr trans women with smart minds that were that were reaching, and I know a lot of them that were talking to you behind the scenes that were really privately trying to um, help you through this. And you paid them and did whatever you wanted to do, and that's why you ended up in the situations that you ended up in. And see, like, now, with that additional context, I know that I'm not the only person now that you said that, and I'm, I knew that going in, but I'm just saying, with this additional context, I want our listeners to see, this is not us beating up, because I know we have male listenership as well, and Black men that support us. This is not us saying that we don't, that we reject him. What we're saying is, and, and we, or that we reject the courage that it took for you to come out or do whatever. What we're saying is, is that's great. That took a lot of courage on your part, but that is still self-motivated because now you're living in your truth and hopefully that makes you feel better. But the action that we need from the men in our lives is to step up as supporters. If you want to be a man and treated with the, all the rights there to ascertain, that means you link arm in arm and you become our covering. And as brothers, you go out and you preach the good news and the truth about our lived experience and what we really are to this world. Because if you truly care for us beyond your sex and what your loins enjoy, then you would be invested in us as human beings and that would be shown through your works because again you're not owed respect you earn it through your works so yeah yeah grow grow from this Malik. grow from, and let and let one of the girls that have a platform that's you know doing something in community let the, it's not, let them do a lot with you expose them to your audience bring them into your life you know, just to make it clear, I want to do a personal invitation to Malik Yoba. If you want to have a safe space to be able to have a conversation with someone that is going to approach it from an unbiased point of view, but that is going to ask you questions that will help community understand you better as a man, as a human being, and what your motivations and intentions were and what you want to get from this coming out and going forward, then I would love to host you on 
the Lioness Still Lives podcast. And I want to make that personal. Um, I know our listenership here is larger. I'm just building. But I want to extend that personally because maybe he needs to hear on a platform that hopefully somebody will share with him that there are girls who are going to have the conversation with you and will do it in a respectful way. And I am one of them. The Lioness Still Lives podcast would love to have you. The, the thing that's been burning up the, the interwebs, at least for the past day, um, Andrew Gilliam, former Florida gubernatorial candidate, um, just came out as bisexual. So just a little backstory. Um, Andrew is a Black cis man. Um, he was formerly like the mayor of Tallahassee, and he ran for um, governor, what was that, in 2018? Um, he ran for governor and he like, he narrowly lost, like he narrowly lost, which spoke to the issues of voter suppression and all of that. Um, so a couple of months ago, like in March, it had to be March, um, there was a big scandal, um, pictures of him were released of him, um, naked, laying naked on the floor, passed out. And the story, the quote unquote story was that he was in Miami for a wedding or for some event and that um, he got drunk um, and he passed out, but he was in a room with two men, one of those men who happened to be an escort. So, you know, it was a, a black a man. Lot, there were a lot of implications. Right. <laughs> black man black, um, with white escort. And there were also, also rumblings throughout his career that he may or may have not been um queer or you know that you know there there was there were those um rumblings in the air so when you know this happened it was a big news story it was a big fall from grace from him because he was somebody that um was um you know could who, who people were talking about as a potential vice presidential pick or somebody who probably could one day run for president of this country. He had a, he had a very promising political Because re- He almost became governor of Florida. And there's a lot of people that to this day believe it was stolen from him. Right. Well, just like it was stolen from Stacey Abrams. Heart, you were a heartbeat away from that being a governor going through that scandal, I think, was the real team. Right. So it was a very big story um, earlier this year. Then it kind of um, went away and he kind of, he went to rehab and um, nobody, no, nobody was really talking about it. So um, he appeared on Tamron's Hall um, show. To, this was her premiere week. Um, her new season started and he was the first major story where um, he talked about how he um, struggled, battled with alcoholism and that um, him losing the election was really hard for him for him and that he um, went to rehab, had to deal with his alcoholism. He also talked about himself being bisexual and um, his wife, um, his wife supports him and how she knew. And so black man, black public figure, black man public figure that's married to a black cis woman that ran for Florida governor um, who is by y'all know that was a big um, it was a big internet story, a big media story, and a lot of people had a lot of things to say. Um, I shared it yesterday. I 
I didn't have anything to say um, about him coming out as bisexual, but I have a lot of thoughts. So I'm. I'm no, no, no. I, I want you to, cause I want you to, I want you to give your thoughts, sis. Um, because I feel like, um, I feel like your your thoughts will will neatly bounce off of mine, and then we'll have room to compare. Because I do, I do agree with a lot of what you said in pre production, and I just want to. I think it'd be good if you you carry on from here, and then I jump in. Right. So first, I'm gonna start here. You know, I'm not here to uh, debate whether he is really gay and he's just using bisexual, being bisexual as a scapegoat because he doesn't want to be quote unquote fully gay and quote unquote uh, face the wrath of being um, excluded for being a, a fully gay person and it wouldn't be able to. I think people, when, when you say bisexual, particularly with men, particularly with black men, I feel like a lot of black people have this idea that if somebody, like if a man is bisexual, he has to be like hyper-masculine in order to still attract and be with cis And it also means too, in our community, and I yes, yes, I completely agree. And it's also, I hate that toxic notion too, that gayness has a look, but then also that bisexual people are lying. Like the idea that it's not a real thing. Like there aren't people in this world that like both, and that's impossible. There, like, it's, it's, that's crazy. Go ahead. Right. So for me, just based on my life experience and me, I think I personally, I per- tend to prefer men that are on the spectrum, or men that are bi or queer or whatever. Like, but like there are a lot of men who you would think are quote unquote gay or quote unquote sweet or whatever that are still having sex with women or that are still able to pull women. So I'm not quick to say, oh, he's really gay because of his mannerisms or like I just think that that's lazy. And I think that bisexuality does not have a look in um when black men are bisexual or black men are queer that doesn't inherently mean that they're hyper masculine and it doesn't mean all the time that they lose access to women so i just i just feel like that is a lazy stereotype Mm -hmm. and i'm not here to um really um you know interrogate him on his sexuality or try to say if it is or if it because at the end of the day it's not not any of my business um, to he said what he said and also we have to give people space if he five years down the line if he decides to identify as gay because the bisexual bisexual label doesn't fit him I feel like we as a society especially the black community have to work on giving people space to work through that because maybe he might come out as gay later but we can, we shouldn't um, force him to pick now or try to close people into boxes of what they um, should be or how they sh- should identify. I think that's really late. Two, from watching the interview, mm-hmm. I I don't think he told the, the full story. I don't think he okay. told the full story in reference to... What do you feel like is what's, it was missing? Did your wife know that you were going to Florida? 
why you were going to Florida. I, that to me, I didn't feel like I got any answers on that because to me, to me, him being by is not um, as far as far as you wanting to be a public figure and be in public office. You being by a queer, that's not a that's not going to make me not want to vote for you. What's going to make me not want to vote for you is if you had an affair on your wife. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel like that was answered. Also, sweetie, <laughs> as somebody who was an active participant in hookup culture, mistake. I'm not like, why were you like, why were you going in the room, or not even why you were going in the room? It's okay to say I was going in the room to have sex. Like this whole like. This whole, well, I just ended up in, like, how did you end up in the room and you're in the room with your friends and you butt-ass naked? Like, that, like, that just doesn't make sense. And, I, and, and, and to give context, also, there were other photos that showed the room and the, and the way the bed looked and the staining on the sheets and the, like... As somebody that's part of the queer community that engages in queer sex, and that knows about some of the stains that can happen and some of the colors that you could see without getting graphic. Like, girl, I'm not going, sis, we're, we're sisters and friends. I'm not getting drunk and going in the room with you and T.A. girl, and I'm just going to be naked in the room with y'all. I'm just, that, like, that's just not going to happen if we're friends. That now, if we were hooking up, Right, because then you also have to add that chem sex is a real thing that is prevalent in gay community, and and that's sex that involves drugs and or some type of inebriant, and it's supposed to be like a way that escorts advertise services. This man is a known escort who, even according to other people, because you know how other people, when it first came out, were talking about him as a person, is known to be someone that engages in that kind of behavior. So then it is very interesting that you're now saying or you your intent was not to do what we know you went to do because why would it matter that you come out as bisexual see like it's all unpacking like see it's unraveling for me that you feel the need to come out as bisexual when that's not something you felt we needed to know before and if you're well go ahead girl i have my opinion but go ahead yeah so like my my thing is this like i feel like he like yes you took a step but i feel like he missed kind of missed the opportunity to tell the story in a way or to tell just the truth so he would never have to circle back to this again because because you're like still refusing to answer certain details and it's very clear that he still wants to be a politician he still wants to be in the world and zooming out looking at the bigger picture even though this was really fucked up it's not like he killed anybody. It's not like he stole people's money. It's not like he, like he didn't do anything to, in my opinion, that was just so um, bad and horrible that I think he should just be excommunicated from politics. I agree. Like, I don't, like, I don't feel that. But being a politician, being a public figure where we kind of have to trust you, um, and, and there should be some sort of transparency. Like your in- inability to leave out key parts of the story, it's just like it's just it's just like 
why even do the interview in in the first place? Because I, I, I to, like like I said, for me, the question was not a matter of how you sexually identify. The two biggest red flags to me is, did your wife know what you were going to Miami to do? And three, why was you in the room? And the fact that you either, you, you can't answer it or you don't want to answer it, to me, shows that you are still ashamed about it and that you're ashamed, you're still ashamed about it and you still need to work through that. Mm-hmm. Before you can, you know, come to um, like public, like a public prominence. Mm-hmm. And but then also, I kind, you know, you know, I'm giving myself space to feel multiple ways. You know, being somebody like, it, I just have the question: If Andrew Gillum would have been out as a black, been publicly out as a black. Um, bisexual man back when he was just Andrew Gillum from Florida State University trying to get a seat on the um, Tallahassee Council would he have been able to have the same I thought he went to FAM he went to Florida State he went to one of them schools in Tallahassee you know what I think it was FAM Uh I think it was FAM but like would he have same would he have had the same um, access and opportunities as a, a as an openly queer black person, would he would he have set, had the same um, access or the same ability to ascend? And if the answer is no, I think we as the a black community really have to um, you know interrogate ourselves and ask why is that? Mm. Why is that? Like I said, I'm not getting into whether he tricked his wife into marrying him or what. Like, to me, that doesn't matter. Looking at the whole picture, it's like, you know, why did he feel that he had to hide this? And, um, you know, why do a lot of people feel like they had to hide it? And would he have been able to really get as far as quick as he did? Um had he been open about the fullness of who he was. And I feel like we as Black people, we really have to sit in, um, and again, it, I don't know if he was on the DL, but it kind of brings up this tension with DL culture because I saw a lot of people, particularly gay people that had a lot of negative stuff to say that are like, well, we don't support DL people, DL men, and he can, um, you know, just being real negative, but to me, like really sitting back and thinking about it is really is not is really not black and white because we ha- we have a lot of LGBT people that have like so many ambitions. They have so many ambitions, like um, economic ambitions, professional ambitions, and it begs the question. If you're in a position where you can like play the game and pass for a cis head and go as far as you can go, like would you have done the same thing? Would you have done the same thing? So sis, I'm gonna turn it over to you. So this is I I I, I look at this from a, a very pragmatic point of view. Um this is um this is the lioness, I feel like, really looking at something 
outside of my personal opinion and just trying to look at it objectively. So here goes. I think looking at this situation objectively, that Andrew Gillum's failing that I can see visually with my eyes is become being reckless, engaging in behavior that caused nude photos, sex scandal, drug scandal, public international news coverage of the scandal, rehab, and now him rebringing this back into public light are all indicative of someone that really, really, really wants to be in the light, in the limelight. Um, because even I, I honestly believe that there's no way he didn't think that such reckless behavior would catch up with him. I think he was honestly under the influence of, like you say, it probably was alcohol and or drugs. And I do believe that he needed that rehab visit to reset him in life because he'd gotten far too comfortable with the graces that I feel like life gave him. And when I say graces, um, the reason why I stated fam earlier, fam you as the institution, and I know that is because I know people and I happen to be in a circle of friends with people that know him, that have met, you know, that, that know him and, 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 and his wife and her family and that have been closer to this couple. And this man has been gay or I will not say gay, excuse me for using that word. This man has been bisexual the entire time. His wife had full knowledge. And I feel like that's important to notate here because I do believe that because someone does, no one is required to know anyone's sexuality. I do believe that there is space and there should space, they should be held in the community for people who don't think it's important for their sexuality to be known by everybody. Yes, I know that there are social issues and stigma that play a part in the reasons why, but whatever your reasons why, we're not required to know what you do sexually. Even as a public figure, that is not a requirement. I think that outing culture, I think the notion that you have to come out while it is important to have visual examples, everybody does not have to come out and tell their story, in my opinion, to be perceived as valid or a supporter of that community. It does matter how you, how you act. It does matter how you vote. It does matter if you're putting things in progress to hold back community. But on its surface, your sexuality is your business. To that point, his wife had full knowledge this entire time that this man was bisexual. And she alluded to such in some of her um, things that she said in the interview and some of the things that, to some of the subliminals she's been putting on Facebook or on her, on her social media platforms. She knows her man. And she was still okay with marrying him, having children with him, building a life with him, and allowing him to have his sexuality be his and hers be hers. Because we're assuming that this couple, because they live in, a, because they're married and that they are 
both well, so they're both Christian that they don't have that we're that they're upholding this old antiquated values of what family looks like. Family, love, particularly relationships and sex lives are individual for individual people. Some relationships, and I know we all know people that have engaged in marriages. For those of us that have like married circles, we have our married friends that we know that they have understandings, whether it be on a trip, whether it be at a party, whether it be we have a threesome together, whether it be you do your thing and I do mine and we don't talk about it. There are a lot of couples that are navigating healthy, successful relationships where they don't get their sex just from each other. And I want to hold space for those couples now because I feel like part of the judgment on Andrew Gillum is in the notion that he somehow was lying this entire time. And I don't think that this woman, this strong, educated black woman herself, would be with someone she didn't, she, with, 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 with what I know and what we, what we know ended up being his behavior after things began to leak, after, the, after his scandal happened and we saw the media and then the friends start coming forward and the escort starts to speak and all that. So what we do know is that there, was, there were more than a few people that knew that this man was bisexual. And I don't think that he was required to tell the whole world that in order for us to respect him. The problem enters into the equation for me, again, with the choices that he made and whether or not those choices respected the offices that he said he wanted, the places that he had, the place that he had in community, and whether it respected his wife. That's more of what I have a concern with. And so I believe his drug use and him having to hide it led him to make choices that were disrespectful to the position he is in in life and disrespectful to his family. So for me, it's more the scandal. For me, it's the nudes. For me, it's you laying in your vomit. For me, it's you going to, for me, it's the fact that this messiness now is something that our children will read about you. This will be a permanent footnote on my life as a spouse. If I were his wife, that was, this is how I will be feeling. This will be a permanent note on my life also as a spouse because of something we agreed to that you told me you had under control. And for me, I feel like what I saw in that interview is a couple trying to do their best to you seem a united front because they both want to still be in the limelight, but not wanting to give so much information that now they're parts of the stories that can be dissected legally and then later be brought back against him in some type of civil litigation or in some type of, you know, just, 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 you know, cause the finders of fact are out there. The internet community will find what the fuck is the truth, bitch. And you have to be careful what you say. And so I do think that he should, in my opinion, and this is why I considered the interview earlier as a mistake. I wouldn't have given an interview at all. <laughs> like we have forgotten if you're not going to tell the whole story don't give an interview don't no don't because now we look and he gives us more to pick apart more to I still have questions now and he's emboldening the people that do know the real story to leak it <laughs> because there there are more than one person that knows that real story somebody took the photo sis like somebody's taking somebody was there and I believe that encounter was set up, to be real, because I don't understand how such photos, like a crime scene was taken of him unconscious on the floor. Like, 
that's somebody that it, it, this is a deeper thing and i think he was, and they knew to take pictures of the sheets bitch they now, knew, that, that was shame. Know, they know we needed to know that them stains was present bitch <laughs> and it had got real real bitch <laughs> somebody got somebody got pissed bitch, we, got got to, we got to the red meat that night bitch. yes that second wall bitch <laughs> <laughs> oh wow he got gammed but to that point I think that what we need to, the focus needed not be on him in this moment. I feel like his coming out and this process is ill-timed. And I think that if he would have let it be, we could have let it be. Let your work speak for you. Start getting active more in community. And then when you're at a place where you have other things to talk about, you bring up the fact, yes, I'm bisexual. My wife stands with me and leave it at that. But don't start giving info and then not give all of it. Because then now you're emboldening people who know the truth to leak it and they will. And I just think that was just a this PR purposes. It just wasn't a good idea. I think he did this as a vanity thing to try to clear his name. And in, in politics, I think vanity in this place has no place in politics. Because if you notice, a lot of people fall based on them trying to uphold an image. And like, he could have just let this be. Now, there is, I agree wholeheartedly, sis, with your sentiments about how bisexuality is now, is something that is seen as sullied is seen as something as having your cake and eating it too is seen as a selfishness and inability to pick a side and i think that it, that is fucking selfish as a as a world because if you believe that you're straight for those people who are straight out there i'm i'm a trans woman but I identify as a straight woman i like men primarily and exclusively because that but that doesn't mean that if I want somebody to accept my identity as a straight person, that I get to question or judge or have opinions about other people's. Because just as strong as I am in my attraction for men, I know that there are people that are just as strong in their attraction for women. I know that there are gay men out there that have very strong attractions for men. But what I also know, because I'm a human, and as a trans person, I have encountered a lot of bisexual individuals in my life. I know that that's a real thing. Right that there are real people in this world that are able to love, there are people that are pansexual, that can just love energies, that are attracted to individuals and not genitalia or people per se. They, they love who loves them, who they vibe with, it's a connection. I do believe also though that people can be genuinely bisexual and like men and women and, are, and, can, and, and can do both. And I don't think that it's always tied to infidelity. Now, in this case, because he's married and we know what them sheets look like, we know that if they did, <laughs> we know that if they didn't have an agreement, he definitely cheated on her. But I've been I know that they had an agreement. And this is I can say that with clarity that this woman is not unknowing. So then to me, it matters less. And that's the only thing I disagree with what you said, sis. It matters less to me that she knew he what he went to Florida for. Because girl, she knows that he gets hit in when he can. She matter of fact, I know a lot of couples that are in this situation. The arrangement is is I don't want to know. 
So just understanding how and seeing how that can work and seeing it work for married couples around me, there a lot of times you don't want to know the gory details of how your partner is getting their sexual needs met if y'all have an arrangement. But like the Will and Jada situation, don't bring me no entanglement. And I feel like this was uh, um, his bad behavior put his wife in a media entanglement that they're now having to explain their way out of. And it put their children and their family in a place where now they're being, being, being having to carry a burden that dad put on them. And so I believe he made bad choices. And I believe that's why I judge him as someone that needs to have a little more evolution before you even think about politics. That's why I judge him as someone. He, that, he, yeah, I don't feel like he, I still feel like he's, he, he, he has shame that he needs to work through still. And, 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 and even that, and not even that, like you rehab is not just something where you're fixed, bitch. Right. So if you were so drugged out that you got that, that you, or alcoholic or whatever it is that you lost control of your faculties, ended up in a room you didn't know how to be up in, be in, ended up naked with pills and bottles and drugs and vomit and, 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 and those sheets all around you. And that happened and you didn't know because you were drunk or inebriated or it had gotten that bad. Then I really don't think you need to be no way near no camera right now. You need to be focusing on your healing journey. And to be honest, this ain't been enough time, bro, for me to believe no, you no, no, anything no. but yeah. covering your ass. No, it's not enough time. Do I do I think he could get back in politics? Yes. Do I think he needs to start anytime soon? No. I, I personally feel like you have some more soul searching um, you need to do. Um, yeah, I just feel like it's too soon. Not, like, not to say that, oh, you're on punishment. No, you really, you you spent, I don't, I can't, what's he in his early 40s? You mm-hmm. spent your early four, and let's say if um, he was out privately to his family and friends. I didn't know that you were a bisexual, like publicly to the regular layperson, you people didn't know that you were were bisexual and now that you have publicly identified that as bisexual now you're going to move through life and you're really going to experience what it's like i.e people's ignorance well he's going to be forced unfortunately he's not going to be able to and this is the ignorance of our black community unfortunately is that we have bought drank the kool-aid and he will not be supported like he was by black people simply because right. he's not bisexual and that is the real reality and that's probably why him and his wife had an agreement where they didn't want this to be something that everyone needed to know right so like you like you spent you have spent like 40 something years um interacting in the world under the guise that you were just a hundred percent straight man and a hundred forty something years versus only a couple of months versus only a day with you publicly coming out to me that's not enough time like you're still like in the transformational process of you now publicly living in life and no shade some of your relationships are going to change and you have to like emotionally deal with it and, and another real reality too, sis, is even though I'm going to be annoyed at the performative LGBT support all of a sudden, you know, the like, don't get me wrong. I do believe he's a, he was always liberal and very supportive. But what I mean is, you know, like 
as a community now, the expectation is, is that you fully embrace this person and, that, you know, we are family. And it's just like, yeah, we are. And I support you and I want you to win. However, I hope that it's not this surface performative way of like engaging with community because just because you're trying to make up for the votes you lost from the black people. Does mm, that make sense? Yeah, like I, I really know. want him to fully lean into this and be an advocate for a bisexual community. Cause if you've done it, then that means your intention is for people to know. So you use that to be a good advocate and a real supporter and not just a, a, a someone that sits for photo shoots and shows up to prize. You were doing that anyway. So now you can do it openly, but we want you to like dead ass. We want you to really, really focus on trying to get your best healing more so than trying to get a spotlight because the LGBT right. community also don't need drunk leadership. Right. And that's no shame. You, you know, we want you to be healed. We know that healing is a journey. Get you a couple of chips in your pocket from your AA thing before you start talking about you want to be in politics again, honey. I, have, you even, have you even gotten your anniversary chip? Like, I need to know that there's a pattern of consistent healing and you committing to a, the discipline that is required for one to become truly sober before you talk, before you think about this kind of level of attention. Because otherwise, this is, will only be a trigger because if it was a trigger the first fucking time, it will only be a trigger for you to then relapse if you're now putting yourself back in the public scrutiny again, when you really haven't given yourself enough time to heal. So that more importantly to me. And right. I, you you got to heal because it's going like now that you are part of family, people are going to treat you differently just because you buy and like it, hurt, it hurts or it's going to make you angry. And you really have to sit with that feeling now that now that it's out for real, for real. And that's, you know, that's the thing that a lot of people like to run away from and they like to hide in their cis hat privilege. But you know, you either pay on the front end or you pay on the back end and you're just now you're 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 paying on the back end. You're paying on the back end now because low key you you've been you've been able to get the access, you've been able to get the exposure, you've been able to get into these institutions, but now but the so you got to do that, but you got to bypass all of the shit that you have to face when you're young and you're out and you're LGBT and black and the um the the wrenches that life throws at you. You got to bypass that. Meanwhile, we had to we had to like the process that he's going to have to go through, you and I and other girls like us, we've been we've been trying to work through that through most of our early 20s 30s and shit like that you know, a lot of us we had to do it before we even began our process like we had to go through the process of figuring this shit out that he's just figuring out now right. in high school when we were right. kids right. trying to figure out like how do i fully embrace myself or come out or be gay or trans or whatever the beginning part of that step was we all faced this like as kids so it's like you just came out you're really a baby in this and maybe right. you need to take a minute before you you know, and, and, and really sit in it before you try to go for another, go, go for a press ops. Right. Because, yeah, it, it, like I said, you're paying on the back end now. So it's, it's worth it to really take the time again away from the spotlight and to really find out who you are now, now that everybody sees you for who and what you are. Um, and not saying that in a bad way, but you, seeing for you for who and what you are as um, a bisexual black man 
and what and what does that really mean to be an open um bisexual black man and politician in the south and florida like what does that mean for you with a wife with kids and a family like what does that what do these things mean for you now and i just really think that um him and other people in his situation need to really take the time to like really find yourself really fast i just want to add this um so i was also a part of another thread online regarding this issue where someone brought up niecy nash and it was a um i think that's a good contrast to this conversation yes and they were talking about the way she as a black woman was treated um or because uh, as as for those of you who, who don't know and i'll give you some context Nisi nance the famous actress and star of the show claws um became and got married to um recently and we want to applaud that and she got married to a woman and she posted the pictures online and immediately as things as people do they don't know how to mind their fucking business and just be happy the lines were divided and people were trying to make points on both sides you know of course you know you have your ashy hotel folks that were like oh and the black woman you know and the black man and da, 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 she's bitter and this and that because of course she would have to be the date a woman so then you had that contingency but you also had a contingency of gay men that saw Nisi Nash's embracement and because it happened the same week as Andrew Gillum they wanted to make the comparison of how when a woman is able to say she's with a woman how that gets celebrated and and, and they and they wanted to say that what's the difference between her and Andrew Gillum and I just could not fathom how people were making that comparison one because and, and and a point that was made was by one of well, my Nisi Nash was a fan with her ass. That part, that part, that part says, but 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 that's the point. The the point that my friend was making was was that Nisi Nash I probably probably just didn't just discover women yesterday when she came out with this woman in her wedding photos. So then she probably was dealing with women the whole time. And that then, so then how was that any different? And the point that I was, it was exactly what you said. The point was Andrew Gillum, it's not, his wife made, his wife, even, okay. So even if let's say Nisi Nash was in a situation where she was always bisexual and that wasn't something she felt comfortable telling everyone, but she had an understanding with the men she was with that she was able to have behavior and she was able to do it with no news, no sex scandal, no pool of vomit, and those and, and those sheets weren't a part of the picture. And then she did it right, and that's how it's supposed to be done when you have an arrangement with your partner and you're doing something that is non-traditional, but you want to respect the privacy of not just you but your partner. Gillum did something that included a messy international TV news scandal, a sex scandal drugs on the floor you know like white men white men i mean so many levels like it was it was it was something that was completely different and i don't understand why the two are being compared now i get that maybe that there was a conversation to be had around how women's sexuality and different and in, in general is not taken as seriously. And so then women with other women aren't a threat to men because of, they don't, because they believe that other women because they don't have penises are not threats. And so then because of that, you hear a lot of 
rappers and people in the world and patriarchy says, oh, my girl got a girlfriend and that's considered attractive because men can still see themselves in that as the object of, like, if I bring my dick in the equation and it's perfect. And so I do get that there is a way that lesbianism or engaging in homosexual activity between two women, how that is not seen as traumatic as how it is when a black man says, I'm like men also. And what we do to him, like what they've done to him, well, you're not bisexual, you're really gay. You Then it becomes all this other narrative and all these other problems. So I do get that there is a toxic masculinity that is held up, particularly over the heads of black men, that says that they can't have feelings, emotions, thoughts, variances in their likes, dislikes, or sexuality. That there are a lot of uh, tropes and stereotypes about what a black man is. And black men, unfortunately, are being policed by black women also, who are upholders of this white supremacist notion of what makes a man and what makes an acceptable man. And that doesn't include queer identities or sexualities of any kind. And so I do see that that's a conversation that is important, that was necessary to have. My problem was, is why would you take Niecy Nash, someone that has not had a scandal, who was just simply getting fucking married and not be happy for her because you're so busy wanting to make a point about your fave? And what I can't understand to me is what the hell is wrong with us as a community that we've gotten so jaded that when we see love, when we see marriage, when we see someone showing something happy, the first thought is, oh, she was probably, y'all know how that is. You know how Hollywood is. They was fucking, she was probably fucking around. She had two husbands. She was probably fucking around on her husbands and and now she's with a woman. She finally being herself, just like how he finally, no, but it's a difference because this woman did nothing but go through a journey in life that led to happiness. And, and let's, let's entertain. Case, let's he has a journey. I'm finish my thought real fast. In this case, he has a journey that he was on, and he made it appear to be happy while lying to the entire world about himself, which is his right. But then he got caught, and a scandal happened, and the two should not meet. Go ahead, sis. But let's entertain that. What if Niecy Nash was stepping out on her husband? But she married now. She's married to the person now. If she was stepping out on her husband, we never knew about it. We never heard about it. And guess what? She's married to the woman now. So, like, what is your point? What is your point? And the assumption is, is also that his that the husbands did not know. And like, and and, and, and that's another part of it. Like, I think that we really need to really question why we care so fucking much about people's private business. Because to be honest, none of this affects the price of tea in China. But in the Andrew Gillum situation, the reason why it's relevant, because I know that there were people like, well, why are we still talking? Why is, because Andrew Gillum got on the microphone and he got on the microphone and said it. He didn't have to do that. We still could have, he still could have been a private citizen, but he chose the occupation of being a, a politician and he chose to give a fucking interview. So Comparing Niecy Nash, a someone who is a public figure, but who did not make her love private only to show her wedding, I don't get why we're making it that she's automatically guilty of something because of her bisexuality. Again, that speaks to the internalized phobia that we have, biphobia that we have for people that are bisexual, the idea that there's something inherently suspicious about you liking both. 
until there's something to prove that Niecy Nash was out here wilding in these streets, why does her simple bisexuality mean that she was somehow doing something salacious? Like that, even amongst gay people, is something that we need to address as queer community because it is not okay that bisexual people are not taken seriously, their rights aren't respected the same, and that we try to minimize their opinions and their thoughts and feelings in life by saying, you either one or the other, or you really more gay than No. I do believe that that is a real identity. And in holding that, I don't think it's okay that it's always gotta be a, oh, well, what if she was stepping out? Like the, the idea that you would even bring that up about a random ass woman, you wouldn't do that if Niecy Nash got married to another man. But it's the idea now that she's dating a woman that now we have to make it that, oh, what if she was cheating the whole time? What if she fucking wasn't? Let's assume the best. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people need to um to work through their biophobia. Me, I I don't know when I have male partners, I know for me, I I when I'm on that relationship path and I can, I try to create space for my um my male partners to talk about all of their experiences and I ask if they have um, been with men and I don't ask in like a self-serving way. For me, I ask in a way because I want to get like a survey of like, you know, what are you into? Or if you're only messing with trans women, what was your journey to getting to trans women and i'm realistic to know that some some trans amorous men or men that are interested in me or trans attracted not amorous attracted so it's attracted now well no it's only attracted when you say amorous those are the ones that have decided they're going to love us so attraction still exists like trans attraction doesn't mean you're trans amorous well men who are interested in me I, I'm saying you. I'm saying until they're able to prove that they actually like you. You said like just because you're trans amorous. I'm like, well, you mean like trans attracted because you, until they actually prove that they want to be in a relationship. And I guess that's why you're asking these questions. I guess I'm just. I'm thinking. Too well, I don't even ask the questions for a relationship. I just oh. as somebody who is sex like highly sexual and likes to have good consensual sex where there is no shame in the room. And yeah, if I'm yeah. having, if you're somebody who was a continuous partner and we're spending time with each other, we're getting to know each other, I want to know. Like, I want to know, like, have you been with a guy? Or now, for like, you, though, sis, it's not a deal breaker. But I, I understand that in that answer, it's very complicated for a lot of men and they will lie because just as I know, just as quick as you say that, I know 10 other women that would say, you know what, sis, I can't do it. No, no, no. And I, I understand, yeah, I understand that for me is not a deal breaker because I don't, I don't see you being, you being attracted to men as like a downplay of my womanhood for me. Like, I, like, I don't feel, I just feel like you're somebody that's attracted to different people. Now I know everybody is different, but for me, it's, it's not a deal breaker for me. So it's not a deal breaker for me either, but the pattern, it does matter. Um, and what I mean when I say the pattern, like I am okay with someone that is by bi- that has had a bisexual experience in their life or, th- but, or that may be actively bisexual in their life. Although I think, you know, I'm, I'm married and my husband is not bisexual. I am okay. I can, I can, cause I have dated bisexual people before and I was okay with it. However, I, it was important for me that, on the pendulum and the spectrum that is it is it that the person 
had been in serious relationship with a woman before, before me. Like it was important to me that I was not, that, that you before me have had experiences, healthy, ha happy relationship, or not even healthy, but just some type of engagement or like you had the uh, uh, relationship with a woman that was successful, yes. Like if you're a 30 something year old man and you approach me and you tell me you're bisexual, but you've never been with a woman before, that still is gonna be a deal breaker for me, not because I'm judging your bisexuality, but it was just important for me that the men that entered my life had been with women and that were comfortable being in a relationship with women because it is different than being with a man. What I don't want is to be your butch queen and drag and for you to feel like we're gonna have a dynamic that is that is gonna be different than what is comfortable for me as a woman. Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. like it does, like I'm not saying that I couldn't have sex with a man that was queer, like extremely queer and that had only dated gay men. And I guess for you, in your case, you you know because you're saying that a lot you know sometimes it's just for hookup purposes it doesn't matter to you like that but i know mm -hmm. for me i know for me it does matter to me that you like women and that this isn't that you prefer women not necessarily even that you have to prefer women over men but that you enjoy and have positive experiences that you can talk about about being with women and that doesn't affect what's going on here i don't want to be your experiment because like what we were saying earlier there are men that on both ends of the spectrum, we'll experiment with trans people because of our dualities and our intersections. So you'll have the straight man that'll come and try to like date us and get to know us or even just fuck us because they're just attracted to us. They're trans attracted. And so they just are attracted to what something and they want to have sex, but they're not necessarily, because we're beautiful creatures and everybody wants us. So you just might just want to engage with me in a physical way and that's cool and all, but I want to know that you somehow are enjoying this and not experimenting in the same way if with, a, with another, with, with women that like us. There are women that will experiment with trans women because, the, because we are, we have parts of us that are, do, are, are unique and they want to have that experience. But gay men also do it. And I don't think we talk about that either. The way in which gay men, if they don't find you sexually attractive, can dismiss you and your experience. And the way gay men use bisexuality as a way to denigrate us and say, well, all I have to do is put on a wig, honey, and I can be you. No, yes, you may have dated Trey that is bisexual that we both fucked. But please believe, honey, I'm a woman. And when he was with me, he saw me as such. But in our community, because we don't even trust bisexual as a real thing, a lot of times uh, there are gay men that will look at our husbands and our men as just gay men like them or men that are not interested in women and they don't respect that attraction because again, even in gay community, we don't trust bisexuality. So I do want to put that into the space too. Like we got a hole for the bisexuals that it ain't that you, 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 you can like girls and guys. You just got to know how to do it in a way that's respectful to everybody. Gillum didn't know how to do it in a way that didn't turn into a scandal. And that's what is the problem. But I do believe that if you truly are someone that is honest and open with all your partners, like what Brianna requests of her partners, then you won't have this problem. It's when you're lying that then it becomes a thing. And, and, and with this situation, I just, for me though, I'm gonna need a man that appreciates women too, really appreciates women and, and not just is doing this for the kicks and the kiggles because I'm trans and you can find parts you like about. Well, I think if if it was a got to a relationship aspect for me, you, like for me, 
I, I damn like I need you to have experiences with trans women. Because okay, it's so a, you very specific, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> like if, if I'm pursuing you like a relationship, that's just like a, a foundation. I need one to two serious relationships with a trans women. But as for some, but I do have um not like romantic relationships, but I do have like hookup partners where if we hook up over a period of time. Like we're bec- we're going to become friendly with each other. We're going to talk about each other, and I create space. And um, I, you know, I've had guys tell me a lot of different things how they came to their trans attraction or whatever their journey was. And I just try to, because I know particularly black men, they don't they really don't get a lot of space to really talk about their sexuality in a way where they won't feel ostracized. Mm-hmm. When, when it comes to me and my sexual experiences with guys, with guys I had that rapport with, I want to keep it like an open and like non-judgmental space because no shade that makes the session better when the person just feels free to, um, you know, say what they want and like really be honest about what, you know, where they're coming from or why they like to do certain things. So I just like to, on a sexual hookup, like, um, cyclical like relationship type thing I like to keep those lines of communication open but as far as a romantic relationship um the bar is way higher only because like I'm just gonna um tolerate less and I need to I need to know for you that uh a relationship with a trans woman is a viable option for you and that's something that you're committed to doing or at least you have demonstrated a commitment to doing it in the past Agreed, agreed. So I guess for our last topic to uh, close this out, um, hopefully you guys are watching Lovecraft Country on HBO Max. It's a um, really good show. It's a, Just to sum the show up in a nutshell, because if you're not, if you haven't watched it or you're not watching it, it's going to be hard for me because every episode is so unique and it's different. It will be hard for me to explain the series as a whole, but in a nutshell, it's set in the 1950s, mainly in Chicago, and it um, it's like a horror action series, but really the show is a commentary on the horrors of racism and white supremacy. Um, there's monsters, there's secret societies, there's magic, and all of that going on. So in the last episode um, that aired on Sunday called Strange Case, and spoilers alert, we'll be talking about some of the spoilers. There is a character in the show named Ruby Baptiste. Um, She plays um, Letty's sister, who is played by Journey Smollett-Bell. And she's like a large, heavyset, dark-skinned woman. She's a singer. She's a jazz singer. And her story arc... um, through the at least through the episodes that have aired is she really wants to get a job in a department store downtown but because this is the 1950s and racism was heavy it was it's hard for her to she's been rejected from this um store multiple times because she is a black woman and um early in the series she talks about how well if i just work hard and do this and do that then maybe it'll be enough and um when she went to apply again, she saw that they hired a black woman. So it kind of sent her down this depression on this depression spell. So in this past week's episode, she meets, um, she meets a character 
and um, he gives her like a magic potion, and and basically what the magic potion is, it um, she drinks it and it creates this, a second skin, but it's the second skin of a white one. So mm-hmm. the whole episode is about um, her drinking the spell, and it's a, it's a temporary spell because once it wears off. Um, you know, her bones start to break back to her regular size and then her, the skin like just falls, peels off her body. But um, basically the episode was a commentary on how now that she has this white skin, just all of the privileges and freedoms that she gets to have as this white woman in 1950s Chicago. And she actually ends up going in with no experience, um, no education. She ends up going to the same store, the same department store that wouldn't hire her because she was black. And she ends up not only getting a job, but getting a manager position. So wow. she gets a manager position and she hobs dives with all the white girls and then finds out they really don't do shit. And then she finds out the black girl that they hired, she didn't even graduate. She grad- She only got up to the seventh grade and she's not smart and she don't know anything. And um, so basically it was just a commentary on how whiteness is currency and how her drinking this elixir, she was able to access a world that just on her own merits, she would never have been able well, to access. Only for one night tease, to quote Luke, if only for one night. Right, so she got to access the world. But then when she got to access it, she got to see that all of that hard work that she was that she said she needed to do and how she had to pull herself up by her bootstraps. Like when you're white, none of that matters. Cause you could just walk in the door and like get whatever you want. So by the end of the episode, she gets to the realization that um she, you know, she doesn't want any more of the magic magic potion and um, she ends up she ends up raping the um supervisor with a, a pump and um, because he tried to rape the black girl. It was, it was a lot of things going on in the episode. Oh, shit. But um, it made me... So after the episode um, came on, somebody shared... Oh, the actress that plays Ruby Baptiste, she talked about her character. She talked about that episode in particular. And I shared it, and I was like... Um, basically, the gist of my post was like, you know, I'm not even going to front like if there was an an elixir for trans women to take where we could temporarily be cis and we get to move through the world as a black cis woman so the query sis is would you take the elixir if there was an elixir that could change you right now from a trans to a cis woman and you uh, with all the rights to ascertain would you take the elixir yeah, I would take it. I'm not gonna lie. I would take it. I would just, I, I would just want to, you know, as much as I love being a trans woman, as much as I have worked to um, be comfortable in my skin and love myself, I'm not gonna front like I wouldn't want to have that experience to see what it is like to see just, just to. Would you take like, the elixir if it was permanent? No, I wouldn't. Like I can say that with certain. I, even though it is overwhelming at times, I feel like being a LGBT person or a queer person, it um, it gives 
us a level of discernment and awareness um, that I think that if I were cis, it would, I would lack and it would allow me to get into a lot of bad situations that are, would not be beneficial for me or would delay my growth or my understanding. I mean, yes, I will be able to act, like I will be able to access men. Um, I will be able to, you know, join social organizations. I will be able to like, it will be easier for me to build those bonds with other cis women. I feel like I would have stronger relationships with my like family because there wouldn't be that tension of my transness and my queerness. But I feel like being cis, you get to have this like air of naivete. And just from my position and where I sit, a lot of that is detrimental to Black cis women. And being a queer person and being having a position in life where you can see the bugs under the rock, I feel like a lot of times that has been my saving grace. Mm-hmm. Like it's been it's it's been the reason why I can clock situations, especially with men especially with a a lot of the situations that men will try to gas you up and put you in. I feel like because of my position in life, I'm able to clock them quicker and I'm able to react and move faster in order to save myself. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like if I was this, I would have the privilege to have the naivete and it would just get me into a lot of trouble that I don't need. You know, I just don't want to be in. I agree. Um, yeah, so th- th- I think um, one thing that's very powerful um, that you said, and that's very true, I do see that there, we don't talk a lot about it, but there are benefits to being an individual, a woman, uh, or, or even a, a female-minded individual. There's privilege in being able to listen to the fraternity of men talk about women from a woman's point of view. Even as a child, I've been in barbershops. My father is still very active in my life. I have, you know, uncles, a slew of, a slew of goddamn uncles. My, my mother has eight brothers. And I was around them all of my life. So like, I. but what I will say was the strength was not so much in the privilege that I got from being respected as a male bodied individual, because I didn't really get a lot of respect because I showed up very feminine. And what we do know is a feminophobia still exists in men, towards men and women. Fem- femininity is not something that in society is, is, is seen as strong. And a lot of times it's patronized and minimized. And so I experienced a lot of that as a female, as a feminine bodied, a feminine spirited individual, I should say. I experienced a lot of the negativity of that part of it. But I will say, being the fact that I did participate in athletics, being that I have fathers and uncles and all that, I was able to sit and hear the fraternity of men and not get caught up in it because I still felt like a woman inside, like a girl inside. So then I was able to sit at the table and that is the most privileged place to be in my opinion is to be able to hear how men talk about women when women are not around and when they don't and when and I'm kind of like incognito because they don't know I'm a girl inside. So then they're talking in my presence as they will talk to in around any other group of men 
and to hear how women talk about how men talk about women has been the greatest privilege of my adult life because it has kept me out of so much shit. You can't run it on me, boo. You can't run it on me. You know why? Because my daddy taught me to run this game on another girl and I'm not that girl. You see what I'm saying? So you mm-hmm. can't run that on me. I have uncles. I heard how they run the game. I have. I was in the locker room with coaches and team basketball players and athletes and track, you know, like, because I was athletic. So I was in the locker room when I heard y'all talking about girls. So you're not going to be able to run that game on me, bruh. I know what you're doing. And that sixth sense has saved me from a lot of shit now. As a trans person, it came at me really hard in a different way because whereas women in society are protected, I wasn't. So then I'm a woman that has this knowledge and I know how to engage with men in a way that gives me, uh, um, um, that, get, that, that I can man- I maneuver well around men. I maneuver very well around men as a woman because I am comfortable it, having conversations with men on different levels, different levels. I do believe that that skill was acquired from me being in athletic teams with men and learning how to bond with them. So I will attest that a part of my journey is that. But baby, listen, being vulnerable like that and being cis requires a level of, uh, because cis women are often protected from those conversations. So then they're entering the world with this, this energy and this knowledge of what a woman is that a man told them and that, or that a man told a mama and their mama told them. So now you don't even, you're getting second and third hand information on what the lives of men are like. And you're being caught up in a lot of shit at a young age behind shit. And I did too, but I was still able to avoid some shit just because of that proximity. And that was a, that's a privilege. Now I would not give that privilege up now because I know what it gave me. And I think it makes me who I am today. And I, I, while you were talking sis, I was really debating like there was a part of me that was still over here, like, girl, I'm gonna take that fucking pill, bitch. Um, and the reason why I, so I, I'm of two minds. I wouldn't take the pill at this age. I would not have taken the pill. I would not take the pill at this age because I'm settled. Life worked out for me anyway. I was able to see the other side of the rainbow on that. And but I'm gonna keep it real, sis. If we just being real, 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 and it wasn't about, and my life could reset, and I could go through maybe like, I would, I would, I'm not gonna lie, younger, I would have took the pill. If I was 19 and being asked this question, I would have took the fucking pill without. I probably would have took it younger too. Yeah, I would have took it without question because who wants, and then this is the shade, who wants to live a life of being vilified? I mean, like, I remember when it was difficult to walk down, to walk out my house and go through the neighborhood because people would be, I had to be careful and watch my, look out my window to see who was going to be out there before I stepped outside just because there were niggas that wanted to beat my ass on sight because of what I was. So just keeping it a hundred like it ain't no cakewalk being trans and i saw someone online today post that being being trans is depressing and i wanted to type this long think piece but then i thought about it no it fucking is it is it's depressing because you know that in spite of your best efforts in spite of everything that you do taxpaying citizen buying a house buying a car, living your best life, being good to your friends, being a good sister, being a good daughter, being good to your people in your community, that somebody could see you somewhere 
and you could be beat the fuck up at a gas station. Somebody could find you, a trade could come to your house, and in spite of all the degrees and everything that we've accomplished as people, they could kill the fuck out of me. And the narrative would be, but she didn't tell, or what did she do to deserve it, or da 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 The same judgment that Black women get, but without any of the protection. Right. So, no shade, sis. I, I, could, I would not blame no bitch for taking the pill. I would not only not take the pill because of where my life is now, but to be real, if, if I, 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 there's still a part of me that wants to take the pill, and I would be debating it, and I might eat half the pill, bitch, because to be real, I, I still, as a woman now of a particular age and wanting to be a parent, it really bothers me that my decisions and my choices will probably mean that I won't have a biological child and then not I'm not talking about my transness I'm just talking about the way I did it this process it's not realistic that I would be able to be a biological parent of any kind and while I do think I am going to be a parent and I do hope to one day become one I would love to have had the experience I'm the girl that actually would have loved to have have my own child and especially with my husband I think He's handsome, and I think that we will make beautiful babies, if only it were possible. Now, it is possible, but I don't want it that way, sis. I would prefer, because, you know, they're doing the transplanted wombs and stuff. I don't want nothing they got to cut back out of me. But if it were a opportunity for me to be a natal woman and to bear my husband's child, I would. Yeah, no, sometimes I think about that, too. I think about um, having, you know, having being able to conceive a child and carry and just wanting to wanting to experience that um and what that would be like or you know if and when i do get married um just being able to do that for my husband and expand our family because you know especially when you know your man gonna have make pretty babies and then you because there's a part of me that always still feels like and that i want to i want to see his genes carry on because they're good genes and I feel guilt. Uh, there is a part of me that feels guilt that because of what I am, though, that won't happen. Mm. Now, I know that he loves me and he doesn't feel that way at all. He doesn't want biological children. He actually wants to adopt. His mother was a social worker. He's been ingrained. He understands the necessity. So he wants to adopt. That was always. But for me, I, 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 I want to I see him. He, I want to I wanna see what his little mini-me's would look like. And I would love to be the person that could carry them if I could. And so that, because I love him that much, and I really think that he has good, good genes. I, you know, I got a fine-ass man and got good genes. I would love to see that pass on. But, you know, it is what it is, bitch. I'm trans. I ain't no pill to take. But, bitch... If that pill could get me a uh, get me through nine get me through nine ten months of pregnancy and maybe a little, maybe like a year on the pill, bitch, and I can have a baby, I would, I would, I would. So you would, so you would take the pill. I would if it was temporary and I could get a year of my life to have a child from him. I would. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think in my younger years I would take the pill, but where I am at now. I feel like I, I not even got, for a day you wouldn't take the pill. For a day. Oh, okay. But as far as like my own transition, I now and not even with regards to my transition, but just with other aspects of my life, I'm really getting to the point where I'm comfortable. I'm getting comfortable and I'm kind of like 
loosening up my anxiety that it doesn't have to look like how it looks like for everybody else in reference to like my career in reference to my romantic life in reference to like my family also i'm getting comfortable with the fact that um just because it, it can take is it doesn't have to happen now like it there's no i'm not in a competition i'm not in a rush like it, it will it can happen later and i'm really getting comfortable with the idea that certain things it can happen later and it's okay it's not i'm it doesn't mean that I'm not keeping up with the rate, the rat race, or I'm not doing this when the next person is doing this. It'll happen when the time is right for it to happen. And I'm just getting comfortable with that in all areas of my life, not just like romantic and family, but just like my career and me making money. Like everything will happen when it's supposed to happen. But in the meantime, I am responsible for creating my own happiness. I I am responsible for um, working through my own shit and working through my place in life, and um, where that I'm responsible for that in the meantime. While all of that, you know, all of that is preordained and happening in the background. So yeah, I I would take it for a day, but I think um, I know that as a trans person, I I was chosen to walk this path, and um, each day I just grow comfortable with the fact that, you know, this is the path that, I, that I'm spiritually meant to go on. And it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. I will say, yes. Now, that's the truth. Now, I do believe, and, and now, see, that's something to talk about, sis, because I, I do I do want to be the podcast that, that is honest about, about what well, I think that trans is trending. I'm just keeping it real. I think, right. I think, I think that, that, there has always been trans people that existed and many of us had to live below the surface and those of us that didn't have access to medications and things or whatever there's a there was there was a lot of people who probably would have transitioned but just didn't see it as a viable option so i'm not at all saying that every girl that's i'm not at all saying that every girl that's um that that's doing it is doing it for the trend but when i but i do believe that there is, uh, there are people that think that this life is a crystal staircase, bitch. No. And they are co- completely mistaken. And anybody that is go- thinking that you're going to be trans and it's going to be some fabulous journey into the gay queer community. And you're it's gonna hard, dance, bitch. You're going to dance and twirl your way to success, bitch. I promise you're going to lose everything and wonder what the fuck happened before you get it back. And and it's no shade, but when you really, really buck the paradigm, because it's different than even being gay. So for my our gay um, L, G, and B members of community that are on here right now, the G, L, and the B, y'all think y'all know, but y'all have no fucking idea. Like the the idea, there is a loss, a real loss, because you're not, because you, unlike when you're gay, your parents still feel like they have a child. Our parents go through this weird twisted thing where they feel like they got to carry a torch for something that we're killing off. Like we're not still here. And they end up having to like forgive us 
and like love this new person and that journey to people and everybody's not going to do that everybody's not willing to make that transition with you and we often end up losing a lot of shit and i'm not saying that L, G and the l and the b don't lose shit but i'm saying when your identity shifts everybody including some of my lgbt friend lg and g and b friends some of y'all are even resistant to accept the girl's identity when it changes because even to y'all there's a part of community that still feels like that is just doing the most and i want to speak to that in this moment because i do believe that trans is trending i do believe that there are a lot of people that for whatever reason whether they be having like emotional issues in their life identity issues you can have an identity crisis and then not be your gender you can have issues and it not be related to necessarily you can have gender i you can have a gender uh, a dysphoria even a body dysphoria and not be a transsexual and i think the paths to being trans are unique and different and there's queerness in transness but i do believe that being a transsexual is held up as this 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 monolith this high place that everybody's trying to reach and i feel like a lot of girls are, would probably benefit from being a, a different part of the trans spectrum. How many girls, there's a lot of girls that I honestly think think that the only way to be trans is to be a transsexual and they're not giving them chance to experience what it would be like to be non-binary or a queer trans woman or queer in your expression or to be exist in the in-between. That wasn't an, an idea, identity that we had access to. And so I don't know how what life would have been like if I was told that I could be whatever I want to be. That wasn't the case for me, but I don't want these young girls to feel like they have to go and get bags just because they started a process because it's trending and it's easy to do now. Right. No, but yeah, this yeah, this 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 walk is not for everybody. And I, again, going back to to the Andrew Gillum situation, you really have to take time to sit with yourself. Because you're just going to go through a lot. You're going to go through a lot and you just have to sit, like sit with the pain and the loss and all of that. And just know that the journey you're on is not, everybody's not going to understand it. And it's not going to fit into the, like the cis straight patriarchal timeline of getting, you know, go, Go, you go to school, find your, your husband or your wife or your spouse, get married, have like it's not going to be this traditional linear timeline. Or even if you get you get married, it's not going to look like your suspect counterparts. Like it's like it just being open to the fact that we kind of have to do stuff different. And is it a burden? Yes, because the world is not set up to create space for us. But you know. If you don't want to go crazy and you don't want to have the anxiety of feeling like you have to conform if that's not who you want to do, like you really have to take the time out to really unpack and unravel and process and really to define and affirm who you are on your terms. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we've talked a lot. So I think we did, we were going to end it here. Yes. And so before we go, I would just like to say thank you for tuning in to Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. We thank you for all of your patronage and support of all of our efforts as we grow, as we evolve, as we develop. We would love it if you would take an opportunity, though, to go to our social media pages. Um, I am at, at ATL Lioness. You can also find us at Box Number 512 Podcast. 
Um, if you want to follow Brianna individually, you can find her, follow her at Brianna J. Esquire on Facebook. But also, don't forget, we have a Facebook page that you can also follow and like and get notifications so you can follow all of our content. Um, as we're transitioning, you know, we're going to be doing our lives a bit differently. There will be a, a longer time between lives and we'll announce that scheduling. Um, we're both very busy right now and active with our different ventures. And so for those of you who enjoyed that aspect, it, it will not go away. And we ask that you just stay tuned. Follow and like us on our pages to find out the dates for when we will have our upcoming live after shows. We're thinking about doing them around once a month. So stay tuned for that wonderful information. And last but certainly not least, please go onto our anchor page at anchorfm.com and go and follow that, find that donation button. And if you would want to support a black trans business, if you want to support grassroots, the home team, go onto anchor and please donate. And every donation will be greatly appreciated. We thank you for your time today. And we thank you for your patronage and your support going forward. And I am I'm so grateful for this moment to have an opportunity to talk with Brianna today about these topics. And we just look forward to you guys in the future being a part of the conversation. This is The Lioness. Thank you for tuning in to Box Number 512 Podcast. And again, I'm The Lioness. And I'm Aeon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Don't forget to go to our Anchor page to become a monthly sponsor. And also feel free to like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms. And also, please don't forget to rate and review our podcast, Every Comment Matters. And lastly, please, please, please follow and tune in for our live interactive Facebook show every Friday on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, I'm the Lioness. And I'm Aeon. Bye.